welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, welcome to Wood Talk, number 289 for January 4th, 2016. It's a new year. Merry New Year. Merry New Year, everybody. On today's show, we're talking about removing mill marks and boards, dovetail orientation for casework, non-traditional table designs with regard to wood movement, the trend to speed up woodworking videos, got a lot of things here, Uh, moving from a dry climate to a humid one, being called a carpenter instead of a woodworker, and a look back at the projects that we made in 2015. But before we get to all that, let's thank a few donors. You know, it was the holidays, and we had a couple weeks off, so we've got a couple of names here to mention. Uh, Christopher LeLong, Jay Brash, Daryl Adams, Christopher Kelby, Kelly Burns Woodworks, Theodore McMahon, Green Trace Associates, LLC. Hmm, wonder what the dude's name is. Uh, Andrew Hansen, Stephen Hummel, and Jeff Waite. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, for supporting the show. And if you want to support us, too, you can. Just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look over in the right-hand column. You'll find the donation links right there. And if you send a few bucks in, we will thank you by name at the beginning of the show, which kind of makes you famous a little bit, sort of. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Just a little bit. So, look, it's 2016. It's a new year. We promised you, with sort of a cliffhanger on the last show, uh, as Matt departed <laughs> the Wood Talk premises, uh, that we would have a new host coming in, and we didn't let you know who it was going to be. Uh, truth is, we really had no idea. Um, you know, So we combed the uh, darkest places of the internet to find our, our best choice. And uh, I'm happy to say, after all that speculation... We would like to welcome someone who you may have heard of before, uh, Nick Offerman, to the show. I'm I'm rather girly. One one stood up next to Ron Swanson. No, oh, that's uh, that's very interesting, Nick. Uh, but thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be here. Uh, obviously, that's not true at all because that would be crazy. Oh, I wish I wish it was true. <laughs> I just fainted. Yeah. Not to take anything away from our true new co-host, <laughs> who you might have already heard his laugh. It's just uh, his trademark thing. We, What is it with the, the third co-host on the show has a trademark laugh that everybody just can, can hear from a mile away? You just and know it's always it's named Matt. And that's Wait actually just pure laziness on our part. <laughs> so true. we don't have to change anything. Uh, we would like to Malcolm. Mel- <laughs> let's let's Malcolm Watt. Uh, yeah, we would like to welcome our new co-host to the show, uh, Matt Cremona. Welcome, dude. Thank hey. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we had Thank a really good time talking to you the first time, and we figured, well, he did it once. He probably won't mind doing it again and again and again and again. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is like a repeating thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, we I forgot it was like to mention a one-time that. tryout kind of thing again, sort of like see how it feels thing. Yeah, you never know. <sighs> He's already I trying to way too hard last contract. time. Hopefully this won't uh, won't become uh, oh what the spinal tap kind of situation. You'll be the, like the exploding drummer. <laughs> so hopefully you'll stick around a little longer than that. But anyway, we I'll really try. like Matt. We like what he's about. We like his woodworking style, his interest, and his personality. We thought he would be a really good addition to the show, and we hope you do too. So Matt, if you can take us, uh, you know, take us through a little journey here about who you are, in case people aren't familiar, what kind of woodworking you like to do, your woodworking perspective, just you know, some stuff, some things about you. That's pretty high-level stuff. Yes, it is. Uh, Be careful. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I like woodworking a lot, if you haven't already noticed that, because I'm on a woodworking show. Mm-hmm, so that good. really just, I'm glad I let off with that statement. <laughs> you passed that test. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I've been woodworking for uh, well, like eight years now, and it really just kind of, I don't know, it's one of those things that happened to me. Like, I just really fell into it really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Like, hard and deep, you know. Take that where you want to, but it was... I'm not going to tell you where I just took that. <laughs> There's a family show. Here. How do you know what website I'm surfing right now? 
<laughs> Shannon, come on, man, stick with it. Oh, but yeah, I really, I really slept, uh, slipped uh, down into it, and I just kept getting more and more into it, and it really just took off for me. So I went from just like basic, really simple, basic stuff to probably more advanced level things pretty quickly, and it was all in my own shop, all, all self-taught. And then, like from the the woodworking side of things, I kind of progressed into like this whole like side offshoot of woodworking is um, the lumber production and mm-hmm. making lumber out of trees. And I started going back towards the you know the final source of lumber, um, you know, from buying rough cut lumber to drying your own lumber to cutting your own lumber or buying um, stuff from a mill and then milling it yourself and then now like cutting down trees. Sure. So I'm kind of coming down from that side as well. So it, like you know. I think I have an obsessive personality. I think it's probably a good way to put it. Yeah, you know, I know what that's like. I'm kind of like that too. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a very similar story to mine. Um, so because I like to lump people into very you know broad categories and, and folks good. folks like to do that to us as well, because uh, obviously I'm the power tool guy. Um, forget about that book, Hybrid Woodworking. Had nothing to do with hand tools. Uh, and of course, Shannon, you know, he's obviously the hand tool guy. So I'm very curious uh, if you would, if you want to box yourself in a little bit there, would you call yourself more power tool guy? Or hand tool guy, or a little bit of both. I, I think I said priest. I'm, I'm like more towards your side, Mark, than, than Shannon's side. But I'm like way more towards Shannon than, than like midpoint, I guess, from where you are. Well, I'm Basically, so I'm like that. right in the middle. I would. Say. I just that appreciate being an extreme. That's all. <laughs> you are definitely an extreme, Shannon. You're an extreme, Shannon. No doubt so about it. My, Matt, my, I, I think you're yeah. a lumberjack, and you're okay. <laughs> fine. I am just fine. I made it. And and how about your style that you like to build in? Would you say you have a particular style? Um, I like uh, period pieces because it, it affords me some challenge or some, I don't know, it's like a whole nother, that's a whole nother rabbit hole as well yeah. that you can go down and kind of really progress into. So I've just kind of scratched the surface there with the pieces I've done in that style. And I'm really looking forward to continuing down that road because I know that there's a lot more challenges there for me and things for me to master in that in that sense. Right, um, but right. my own designs that I come up with myself tend to be more of a modern, I don't know, clean lines kind of thing. Mm-hmm, sure. Clean lines, some nice curves, simple curves. It's good stuff. So I'm, I'm just excited to have another period enthusiast, period furniture <laughs> enthusiast here. So would you would you consider yourself more of a Queen Anne, Chippendale, or Federal person? I am definitely Queen Anne. Okay. Southern yeah. Queen Anne, backcountry Queen Anne, New England Queen Anne. New England, yes. All right. Oh, Excellent. <laughs> Philadelphia? That too far south for you? No, yeah, more, I can lean more Boston. Okay, but not Newport. No, all right, not, not good. that far. No. I'm more of for the, more the, information. Subscribe to the Society of American Period <laughs> Furniture Makers. There you go. I call. I'm a little more of the uh, green and green period. You know, not that <laughs> well, long that's, ago. That's a period style. <laughs> that was. No, that, that's the only reproductions I think I've ever done, uh, <laughs> and, and and that was fun. Good stuff. All right, well, let's move into what's on the bench. Let's do the show for real here. Um, for me, I'm going to make it very quick. Not a damn thing. It was the holiday, and I'm still working through some health issues that are just keeping me out of the shop. Uh, I will say, though, that we have a new giveaway posted at The Wood Whisperer. Just want to let you know that. Uh, thewoodwhisperer.com slash giveaway, and there are some amazing things in the giveaway. This year are some Festool stuff. There is a turbine from Fuji Spray. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a whole thing. So go there, sign up, get yourself entered into the giveaway. You do not want to miss this one. Wow. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Good stuff. Good stuff. By the way, Matt, you're not eligible for that stuff anymore. Yes. Yeah, right. I never, I only won my, I won my first thing at the, uh, the live show the other week. Yeah, the, no, the thing is, Mark's it, it, technically I think he totally is eligible, but that would be so bad if you won. 
I was going to say. You know what I mean? Like, if yeah, you, I suppose I'm eligible, but it just the the I imagine the uh, the cries of foul would probably go off. Yeah, left and right. it just isn't going to go over very well. I'd be like, ah, oh, well, it sucks to be Matt. Next, you know? and again, if I won festival stuff, that would probably be even worse with all the hand tool people. They get really mad if I show a power tool. No, ever. no, no. You but just those are use that power tools. That's true. No, you that's just true. use it after the camera's off. Come on, there you go. <laughs> right, right. Be honest. <laughs> Alrighty, so I guess it's me, right? Yeah, um, I, I'm with you, Mark. Not a whole lot, although I will say this was the busiest gift building season I've had in a long time. Nice. Like, like the kind of season that I hope to never do again. Like five years ago when I did this, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm never going to make that much stuff again. And here I am, five <laughs> years later. It was rough, really rough, including. Um, Christmas two, as I call it, which is generally three to four days after Christmas right. when we get together with another part of the family. You know, I, so I was not only letting finish dry on Christmas Eve, I was building still and letting finish dry on the night of the 27th oh, to get man. ready for Christmas two. So yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was rough. So when I finished that, I shut off the lights and practically locked the door to the shop and haven't been in there since. Nothing wrong with that. Got to do yeah, what you got to do. You did a break. What about you, Matt? I have been working very hard on my sofa table project. Um, it is a guild project, which is yes. pretty exciting. Thank you, Mark. Sure. Um, Thank you. I've been progressing quite a bit on that one. I was gone for a few days for Christmas. I'm back in town now, and I've been just hammering hard on it all New Year's weekend. Nice. Good deal. It's looking good. I'm, I've seen some of the pictures on uh, Facebook and Instagram, and it is coming together. It, it really is. It came together pretty well today. I got the top cut. So all the curves in the top are cut. The base is all assembled. It's ready for finish, and the top is ready for its uh, perimeter inlay banding thingy. Sweet. That is awesome. All right, so if anybody wants to join in on this project, you can. Uh, just go to the woodwhispererguild.com and look for it there. It's a sofa table project happening roughly February time frame and uh, should be good. It's the first time we're having a outside instructor come in. So no pressure, Matt, but... Uh, should be good. Don't screw it up, man. <laughs> if nothing else, it'll be fun to watch. Kind of hitched my wagon to yours on this one, so... There's a car crash right there. Away. <laughs> right. All right, so I thought it would be fun. Uh, Shannon, I don't see you... I, I forgot to tell you about this, so maybe that's why you didn't write it. Yeah, I wasn't informed here. of this, so why? While you guys were talking, I quickly went through my blog to figure out All right, good man. what I did this year. So yeah, just very quickly, we wanted to recap because, you know, the thing is with, with the, the video producing and blogging platform, you know, the, the environment that we play in, it makes it, I don't know about you guys, but it makes me feel like I'm always doing not enough. You know, like I'm just not making enough projects every year uh, because and I think it's when you just get inundated with your feed showing you all these different things from all these different people. It just makes you think everybody's more productive than you are. So at the end of the year, I really like to look back and just actually look at literally what did I make this year? And if that seems like a lot, a little, you know, and, and a lot of times, most of the time, it's way more than I thought I made. Uh, which is always kind of cool. Um, so Matt, I'll let you go first. Let Shannon continue to count his projects. <laughs> How many fingers does he need? Um, <laughs> let's see. I did the secretary desk. That was my biggest project to date at the time. I mm -hmm. still is. I did the changing table for my son, his bassinet, and his crib. And I did a flooring project. I made and installed my own tongue groove flooring all the way from the tree. Oh, man. That's awesome. That's, that's it is, crazy. It does look awesome. I'd hated every minute of the end. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say. I got I, towards the end of that thing. I'm like, I'm, nope, done I'm never it. doing this again. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Man. Next time, Jeez. Pergo. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to say, though, I didn't spend much money on the whole project. I think I did the whole thing for the OSB that I used for the subfloor or the sheathing or whatever was cheaper. It was the most expensive thing in the whole project. Wow. 
That's awesome. Well, when you're cutting the stuff yourself, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. What about you, Shannon? Um, it was an interesting year for me and kind of like you said, um, Mark, Matt, whoever said it, Mark, Mark, <laughs> you look back on it and you're like, man, I didn't do anything this year. And then you start counting up and it's kind of cool to yeah. see. I did a lot of stuff this year was more about smaller projects for me. Um, I, I came out of a couple of big ones, although I say that, and this year I built a, a king size bed <laughs> and, uh, I didn't, we'll say half a project. I finished the dining table cause I technically started that last summer. <laughs> Um, I built three smaller furniture pieces for a client, one of which has already been published on the show, the little display shelf. The other two, uh, whenever I get around to editing that video, um, there's a, a wall hanging uh, Chippendale kind of fretwork shelf. And then there's a small, um, I'm calling it a plant stand, but technically it's just like a small side table-ish thing in a southern Queen Anne style. Those three projects were all for clients. Um, and then I built a bunch of little things. It's funny because, um, uh, Mark, you and I were joking via text earlier about how people comment on how I love the long form videos we do now yeah. on YouTube. And I'm like, haven't I always done long form videos? This is such a but nice then, change. <laughs> well, I did look back and I can understand maybe where some of that's coming from. Cause I think some of the pressure to kind of get things shorter and shorter, we've talked about this in shows before. Yep. Um, I did a lot of smaller projects, things that I could knock out in one video and do kind of 15 minutes worth. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of little things. And at first I was really quick to discount those. But as I start looking through, you know, the multiple things I turned on my foot powered lathe to stupid things like a peach crate, but they all had really cool kind of skill building things in them. So I don't know. It was an interesting year. I spent a lot of time teaching individual techniques to my hand tool school students instead of big projects. Sure, so right. um, yeah, it was, it was good. I, I feel good about it. Um, I came up with 10 projects total, okay. uh, but technically I'm going to say nine and a half because that dining table shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I would just call it 10. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I had, it looks like about nine, uh, the gaming table, kids table and chairs for the charity build, which by the way, over 20 grand. Uh, oh yeah. The, I built that too. That's right. That. There you go. Now you're definitely over 10. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, the woven panel, rolling hamper, outdoor sitting bench, mirror frame. Um, well, this one, I kind of shouldn't count this, the hall tree and bench project that I did <laughs> on rough cut with Tommy. Hey, who's better than me? Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't really build it. But I'm going to put it in there because I published it as a video on my website. So uh, I win. (laughs) Who was that weird guy in the button-down shirt? Uh, Someone who was very uncomfortable wearing a (laughs) button-down shirt from Walmart. (laughs) That clearly is not in my regular wardrobe. Uh, The memorial box that I made for my uncle and aunt. um, Sculpted rocker and modern chest of drawers and nightstand. So uh, that's... I love how you just fly by the Maloof rocker. Yeah, Yeah. you know, sculpted rocker. It's on every woodworker's bucket list. It's just not one of those. Yeah, I guess, you know, when it's one one of the nine... You know, it should it should be weighted a little bit differently. You make me sick. Well, you know what? And then, but I still walk away from this going, darn it, I don't do enough. You know, because so many people, and this is funny, we will be talking a little bit more about this later because of a voicemail that came in concerning the the the, the sort of trend of faster paced videos and smaller projects. Uh, but we'll get to that later. So let's jump into what's new, some things that we found, interesting things that you might be interested in hearing because they're interesting. Uh, I wanted to mention, not only did our buddy Matt leave the show in 2015, around the same time, our other good buddy, Tom Iovino, pulled back from podcasting and blogging as well. And he's kind of just completely uh, walked away from a lot of things. Now, his website's still going to be up. 
And he's going to be maintaining that and keeping it up, but I don't think he's adding any content to it. Uh, and he's just got stuff going on and wants to spend more time with his family. I don't know all the details of it, but I uh, wanted to wish Tom the best. Uh, you know, he's been very uh, productive on his website. I mean, thousands of posts. Uh, the guy's um, probably one of the most productive writers, uh, prolific writers I've seen on the web and uh, love the guy. Really good uh, person. And I hope, uh, hope hope everything's okay and then wishing the best. Mm-hmm really selfless person, I might add, you know, yeah. a large majority of those thousand posts have nothing to do with Tom, right? They're all about other people's stuff, yep. which is yep. pretty cool. Because let's face it, most bloggers are narcissistic. They tend to be. Yeah, I would say so. All I do is write about myself. So yeah, <clears throat> right. Yeah. So he's uh, <laughs> wish him well, you know, hopefully, if you have a way to contact him, you can send him something to say, hey, thanks. Thanks for all the great stuff you've done over the years. Um, and, you know, speaking of Matt, we did get a lot of great feedback and well wishes. Uh, and I contacted Matt and said, hey, I don't know if you want to just, you know, say a few things to thank people. So, you know, folks who listen to the show will hear it. Uh, but he did reply to folks on, on the Wood Talk Show website who came in and left some kind words. But he says, as I head into the great unknown that is my new life as a former co-host of possibly the greatest collaborative woodworking podcast, I can't begin to express how much I appreciate the kind words and fond farewells all of you kind folks have sent me directly and left posted on the Wood Talk website. You're all better than tacos and stretchy pants to this woodworker in a basement. Wow. So good luck, Matt. That's high praise. Yeah, good luck, Matt. Uh, he, we still talk to Matt. He's still doing good. So uh, he's still complaining about things and eating tacos, doing doing what Matt does. Yeah, pretty much. You know, same old stuff. <laughs> he's just not on the show anymore. Uh, all right. So another thing sent in from David here. It's a gallery of 365 spoons crafted by an artist. Uh, let's see. David says it was one one per day for a year with only hand tools. You're welcome, Shannon, you jerk. <laughs> That's what David said. Not my words. Uh, sure. You would have said it anyway. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's a very nice display of some just really creative designs for spoons. But can you imagine that sort of challenge, making one a day? For a year doing anything. I mean, I have trouble brushing my teeth 365 <laughs> days a year, you know? You so. know, there, there are people who go to great lengths to avoid doing dishes. This is one of them. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, geez, pile, right. I, instead of just washing that, I'm going to carve a new one. Good he idea. He finishes eating it, eating with it, throws it in the fireplace and right. starts working on tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Here we go again. All right, Matt, you're up. All right. I have two new inventions from Andy Klein. He released these in the last Probably, I think it's probably like a month now, but mm-hmm. the first one is a improved version of the parallel clamp, and it also kind of combines the concept of a four-way clamp. So the clamp heads and, I guess, the other end, the clamping part, they're able to be flipped around and nested together. So when you're clamping a panel, for instance, not only are you clamping, I guess, squishing the boards together, but you're also squishing them down towards the clamp uh, bars. So you have pressure pushing down, keeping all those seams nice and tight. And, I mean, for me personally, and if you've seen any of my stuff, I don't really care for this kind of stuff normally because I, I'm more like the uh, milieu boards well and then you don't have to put any clamp pressure anyway. It just kind of all comes together and it's all perfect. But I know there's times where that's not really possible. Maybe you don't have any more thickness to, you know, take a twist out of a board or whatever and you have to have that alignment there mm-hmm. and you don't have any, like, biscuits or dominoes or whatever. This thing is super slick. seen it in person. It's... uh one of those, like, I don't know how no one's ever thought of this before kind of things. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, he's he's the guy who does that. Yeah, <laughs> Comes yeah, up with the does. things that we that no one else has thought of before. So I hope this Coming whole, soon to a rockler near you. Right, exactly. Clamp contraction number 743. <laughs> I really hope he's able to capitalize on this stuff. Yeah, um, seriously. That's a cool idea. Yeah, very cool. 
It is, it is. And then he did have a second version of that out as well, and we'll have links to both those videos in the show notes. The second invention that he just put out, probably like, I think it was the last week or the week before, is a new, I guess, improvement on like a Moxon or a twin screw style vise. One side of the vise has a fast um, screw. I think it's one turn per inch or something like that. It's like four times faster than a normal screw. And the other side has a cam, so you can really crank down, put a lot of pressure on things really quickly. And this thing, I'm we, I'm, I was excited with the clamps, but then when I, he showed me this thing, <laughs> and I got to try it in person. I'm like, this needs to be in my shop yesterday. Yeah. Because it's so nice. You're sitting there playing with it. I'm like, I don't know how I don't have this. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It looks cool pretty idea. awesome. For sure. Wow. I want that. Andrew, I want that. <laughs> Send one over. <laughs> All right. This next one comes from me. This is a little bit of a personal statement, but um, Ted Buscana, or uh, he is he's a joiner in Colonial Williamsburg. Uh, if you've watched any of my Williamsburg videos, Ted shows up in nearly all of them because the joiner shop is is hands down my favorite place in Williamsburg. But it's always been called the Carpenter Shop. These are the guys that, I mean, used to be the house rights when Roy Underhill was the master there. And then they didn't kind of know what to call them. So they always called it Carpenter. Sometimes they called themselves Joiners. Well, this week, Ted was actually named the new master of the brand new Joiners shop in Williamsburg. And they're launching an entirely new trade separate from the Carpenters. So for those of you who don't know, Carpenters are the guys building the houses. The Joiners are the ones doing like the window frame, the moldings, mm-hmm. all, of course, the furniture and stuff that goes inside. Much more uh detailed work that actually uses joinery instead of just kind of nailing stuff together. Well, I shouldn't say that because houses use mortise and tenon, but it's, it's, a, it's a refinement on the carpenter side of things. And it's, it's kind of exciting because it is a brand new trade with a brand new apprentice system coming under it uh, down in Williamsburg. There's not a whole lot of details on it yet, but it's just exciting to see a guy that, that I met years and years and years ago who was as a, an apprentice and kind of watch him for lack of a better term, grow up in the system and is now a master of his own shop. So nice. congrats to you, Ted. Um, I can't wait to uh, come down and see you again. Very cool. That sounds good. Yep. All right, let's move into our kickback. This is where you give us some thoughts and opinions on things we may have talked about in previous shows. Uh, got one here from John Mikalak. He says, the other night I posted a question on the forums. I'm assuming he's talking about, yeah, woodtalkonline.com uh, on the forums about some milling and not having a planer. And we'll put the link in there as well if you want to go check it out. He said, Splintered Dave, I guess one of the other guys in the forum, had one that he didn't need, which he was willing to give to me. I told him I couldn't pay for the shipping for a couple of weeks. In a matter of minutes, Ken Cooper, another forum member, offered to pay for the shipping. And now three days later, I have a perfectly working planer in my possession. I'm truly humbled by this whole experience and so happy that I have been welcomed so warmly into this community of wonderful people. Shout out to Dave and Coop for being amazing, and I will be paying it forward as soon as I can. Keep it up, guys. So I just wanted to do that because I thought it was kind of a, a cool thing to hear four members helping each other out like that. So if you want to check out that forum, it is a friendly place, uh, but don't go there begging for tools. <laughs> yeah, don't show up expecting Lightning that. probably isn't going to strike twice, uh, but it's at woodtalkonline.com if you're interested. And, and John, if you want to pay it forward, I uh, am doing some forum research myself and I now know how much Mark actually pays to keep that thing running. So <laughs> just, just, just food for thought. Yeah. If you've got some extra cash you want to pass on to somebody. Well, that there's, thing's the, expensive. Uh, there's the su- supporter level of the uh, form that you could you can actually get rid of the ads and pay a few bucks a, a year for it. So if you want to do that, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, you're up. 
This is from Eric Lean, I guess. Mm, I'm terrible at names. Sounds good, yeah. All right. (laughs) As was alluded to in last week's show, the Festool Domino seems to get a lot of hate. I assume because the price... Oh, what happened? Maybe because some brand prejudice and jealousy. As a college student working in my parents' back patio, I can. Un- hmm? yeah, we lost you for a second there. Oh, is somebody oh, streaming Netflix? <laughs> That's what happens at oh. Matt's house. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I can start over. Yeah, That's go ahead. Fine. All right. <laughs> As was alluded to in last week's show, the festival domino seems to get a lot of hate. I assume because of price, and maybe because some brand prejudice slash jealousy. As a college student working on my parents' back patio, I can understand the price problem, but is it my imagination, <laughs> or could the same task be accomplished with a plunge router and a shop-made jig? Isn't the domino just a more convenient way of creating floating tenons? So isn't it just silly for people to hate on it when it can be done with a router and maybe a router table in the absence of a domino? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes and no. It's It's... <laughs> You know, there's a lot more that's going to have to go into the jig methodology. It's not quite the point and shoot technique. You're not looking at pre-made tenon stock and you aren't going to easily be able to get all these different super accurate sizes. So I think there's definitely something, you know, that that you are paying for uh, that people justify in the cost of something like that. But yeah, theoretically, you could do this with a, with a router. Yeah. So what's the big fuss? It's yeah, like watch any episode of Woodworks with David Marks, and basically that's all floating <laughs> tenon joinery with a router. Well, I think the thing is, it's a floating tenon. You know, there is work involved if you're making it with the router. This is a way to get that same sort of thing with no work, and that's yeah. where people get uptight about it. You could walk away, walk around with a Morrison chisel too. That's know? true. You'd be crazy yeah. like Shen. <laughs> See, if if I were to buy a power tool right now, it would be a Domino. Yeah. So that ought to tell you something right there. <laughs> right. All right, this next one comes from Tommaso, just because it's fun to say it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Regarding shapers versus routers, shapers are scary. If I hadn't (laughs) scored one super cheap uh, three-phase that I replaced the motor on, I probably wouldn't have gotten one. It's the single most terrifying piece of equipment I own, (laughs) and as such is the only piece that has its own name. It's an older Rockwell shaper named Shetar, the destroyer (laughs) of men. And while it runs really well, there is no question who is in charge. Love the show. It's fantastic. Oh, nice. You know, I've heard that before about shapers. I heard that they're very scary. I've never used one myself, though. Yep. Buy some diapers when you buy it. There you go. You might need them. All right, let's move into our voicemail. Got a quite a few here, and this one is from Jimmy. Hey, how's it going? This is Jimmy Inglewood, Colorado. Just wondering how you guys felt about um, all these new videos with the super sped up production going on. Um, kind of irritating to me. Don't know how you all feel. <laughs> I I do love Jimmy's <laughs> delivery on this. Is, is he talking that slow on purpose just to make the point about I, sped up? Videos? I really think he's highlighting because <laughs> that the was point. brilliant, Jimmy. I loved that. Very well done. Uh, yeah, you know that's a thing. It's definitely a thing. Do you, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, I think sped up videos certainly have their place as the person making the video. I can see the motivation for doing it because guess what? It'll be seen more often. More people will watch it. Um, now it depends on what you want to do with your videos, whether that's satisfying to you or not. Obviously, you're talking specifically to three people here who put more time into their videos and probably enjoy fewer subscribers as a result. So it kind of depends on where your your priorities are. But as a viewer, 
the great thing is you don't have to watch it. You know, if, <laughs> if you want more information, maybe you can try to contact the person. It would be nice for the folks who want that detail if it was in the video, but you know, you gotta, I guess you gotta respect their reasons for choosing to edit in a particular way that makes sense for them. Um, and there are still people doing more longer form videos. There's just probably not as many of them, you know, and you, you, but you can find them. We're, we're out there. You know, <laughs> I mean, so let's say not even from the production standpoint, we, we have our reasons for that. Do either of you, uh, in terms of inspiration and the kind of videos you want to watch, do you have a personal preference for, for the faster stuff or the longer form stuff? Um, well, I mean, Jen? all right. There, there's almost two questions there. I mean, I like the longer format video cause I like the more educational video, mm-hmm. but the actual sped up action, I really don't like that. And, and I say that knowing full well that I do it from time to time, but I think, it, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into what Jimmy's saying, but what he's talking about and what I've seen is like the 300% speed stuff, you know, where it's like this person's a blinding blur and they're just stuff is magically happening. Yeah. You know, I will, and let's face it, I work by hand, so everything I do is really, really slow. So I can speed up to 300%, and it doesn't look that much faster. But, you know, I'm going at like, you know, 120% sometimes um, just to kind of pick up the dead space between chisel strokes. Right, right. Um, but if if at any point it actually is like um, killing the message, then no, no, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. Right. What do you think, Matt? I think from a from a viewer's side of things, for me personally, it, it depends on what I'm what I'm there for. If I'm there for entertainment, then it doesn't really make a, a whole lot of difference to me. But if I'm there to learn, then it's kind of hard. It's harder to learn if you're trying to figure out what they're doing and they're not telling you what they're doing because you don't know what they're doing because you don't know. Right. <laughs> so that's, it's kind of hard in that sense. But if you're just looking for inspiration, sometimes it can be pretty helpful. But it also needs to be done. I think some people do it well, and some people don't really understand how to use that as a a um, method of delivering things because yeah, I don't need you to speed up you walking across your shop picking up your tape measure and looking around for it or whatever just cut that part out I don't need to see that right right. because right. it, it, that, at that point it, even, it cheapens the production because like you didn't take the time to even edit at all you just put it into your editor hit fast forward and then exported it and yeah I mean right. there are so many times where for instance pushing a board through the table saw you could either speed it up so it takes three seconds or you can cut it so that you see the beginning at regular speed, then you see the middle for a flash, and then you see the end at regular speed, and it still takes three seconds, but you're not making the person feel like they just, you know, broke their neck on a roller coaster. You know, <laughs> right. so there's definitely, you're right, there's definitely different techniques you can use to compress And I, I do think it has its place, I mean, to show, like, the passage of time sometimes. Oh, yeah, definitely. like Like carving or turning videos, oh, sometimes yes. it works real mm-hmm. well, where you get to see, um, I find this works well with, like, curve cutting with a with a turning saw, which is really quite boring to watch at normal speed, but to watch the fretwork like come apart at high speed is really cool. Yeah. Um, and it actually, I think augments the, the message. I've done a couple of videos where I shoot a uh, sticking of a molding, like from the ingrain and done it really fast. You actually see like the, the wood kind of fall away and turn into a molding. That's cool. But you know, just showing it fast because you know, I've got to get this video under five minutes or no one's going to watch it now. Yeah. Nah, that's cool. bad. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think. I mean, obviously, a lot of people like them. Some people certainly don't. Jimmy doesn't, clearly. Uh, all right. Clearly. Clearly <laughs> doesn't like it. It's okay, though. Everybody is entitled to an opinion. Uh, and uh, let's see. Next one here is from Kyle, and he's moving pretty soon. Has a question. Hey, guys. This is Kyle calling you from Connecticut. 
Uh, I actually just moved to Connecticut from Lancaster, California. Uh, the weather in Lancaster, California is kind of similar to what Mark has. And I was wondering, maybe you guys can do this for like one of your weekend shows. Uh, what can I expect my tools to have to adapt to with the weather change? And also, what can I expect the wood to do? All right. I will cut that there. Thanks for that, Kyle. Uh, so he's moving from not humid to potentially very humid. And I would imagine there's going to be some issues. Obviously, if he, uh, you know, I don't really have to do much in the way of rust prevention here. So he may not uh, know all the materials you can use or techniques you can use to get rid of that little surface rust or prevent it in the first place. Um, so rust is certainly something he's going to have to look for and be prepared for. Uh, wood wise, I mean, you know, he's got to wait, right? You got to bring the wood there. You probably want to make stack it in such a way that it has good air movement and just let it do what it's going to do, right? I mean, how long yeah. would, if it's all kiln dry, Shannon, just off the top of your head, how long would you say to let it sit in that condition before you, you think it's probably safe to start digging into it? A couple of weeks. <clears throat> yeah, just a couple of weeks to yeah. kind of acclimate a little. The, the key that he needs to figure out is what is his equilibrium moisture content? Kind of where does everything, where is everything happy? Um, and if he doesn't have a moisture meter, it might be a good idea or at least a hydrometer or something. Um, because it, it, it's going to move and then it's going to settle into what's kind of common up there. And it really mm -hmm. shouldn't take that long. We ship lumber from, you know, drop ship direct from the West coast over to the East coast and they're building stuff like the same day, even though we tell them not to, right, right. Um, <laughs> but nothing has yet exploded. So good to know. You know. Cool. All right. We also got a voicemail from AJ from Connecticut. Really funny voicemail in, uh, in regards to Matt leaving the show. The problem was it was really long and I don't know why, but the quality of the call was just horrible. So I couldn't play it, but I wanted to let you know, AJ, we did get the voicemail and thank you for uh, sending that in. Uh, last one here is from no name, sad guy. And that's the name I gave him cause he didn't give us his name, but he says he's sad. Hey guys, love the show. Keep it up. Just got a quick question, uh, but I want to make a comment first. Last episode, I tuned in and I listened, and uh, there's a bombshell dropped. This bombshell stated that Matty Van is leaving the show, which is fine and dandy, except that you dropped this bombshell right before Christmas, and that made me sad. And I don't like to be sad. <laughs> and then you fellas go on and say that there's going to be a new co-host. Great. Love it. But... You say I gotta wait till after New Year's. <laughs> I'm not patient enough for that, guys. You're killing me. But uh, all joking, all kidding aside, I think Matt's doing the right thing. Putting family first, you can't go wrong. And you guys, uh, you guys are great for supporting him in that and uh, encouraging him to do what's right. My question is this: uh, a lot of people where I'm from, uh, they refer to woodworkers or cabinet workers simply as carpenters. That's kind of annoying to me. I don't know why, but I don't like it. It bugs me. Do Makes you guys sense. get annoyed when people, you do some work, you know, like I made a table once and somebody, people kept saying I was a great carpenter. I don't know why, but it annoyed me. Do you guys feel that way too when you get referred to as a carpenter instead of a woodworker? Love the show. Keep it up. You guys are doing a great job. Those of you who are remaining, because it's made me sad. Nah, just kidding, guys. Love it. You guys have a good one. It might just be my favorite voicemail we've ever had. <laughs> I hope he calls back again. Yeah, please do call Seriously. back. Let us know what your name is, and don't say Larry the Cable Guy. 
Yeah, it wouldn't have been as funny with like my accent or lack thereof. No, 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 no. That that was it had to be exactly the accent that it was. <laughs> right. That was perfect. Uh, you know what? I'll be honest here. I've never been called a carpenter, so I I don't know that I would react one way or the other. <clears throat> I've been called a carpenter at the Stepping Stone Museum, and to tell you the truth, I didn't even notice. Um, the only reason I noticed that I can mark the incident is the guy I was working with really took offense to it and proceeded to like rail into this museum visitor to the point where I politely excused myself because I thought there were going to be blows exchanged. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess people so, really do. So would it bother you, Matt, if someone said, hey, you're a great carpenter? Um, I don't know. A little bit. I, I don't know. It's doesn't happen a whole lot. I know like the few times it has happened, like I noticed it because no one never calls me a carpenter. It seems kind of weird. I don't think I'm a carpenter. I'm not out there building structures, which carpenter usually is associated with. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe a little bit, but maybe they're not educated into what, that there was another name for people that make furniture. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, a matter of being misinformed and knowing that there's a more, there's a more clear term for that sort of thing. But I, I don't think, I don't, it, if someone did, I don't think it would offend me in the least. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. It definitely upsets no name sad guy. That's for sure. <laughs> Makes him very sad. Yes. All right. Let's move into our email. Pretty packed show here today. Uh, this one is from Eric Butler. He says, hi guys, I have a question about sanding to remove milling marks. I'm building a cherry slab desk and I paid a local lumber yard to flatten the slabs. Uh, they're big. And he listed it in thickness, width, and length. Right, Shannon? He says, uh huh. They used a monster drum sander and went to 80 grit. Now I'm ready to finish the desktop and milling marks, uh, straight lines down the length of the piece are still visible. My question is, do you always uh, slash frequently spend extra time at the first grit in your sanding process to remove mill marks? I'm using the pencil method. Thanks, Mark. Scribbling on my workpiece before each grit and sanding until the marks are gone. I did two complete passes with 80 grit before moving to 100. Uh, Try my best to use the raking light, and it seems like the mill marks are gone. This is a gorgeous and one-of-a-kind top, and I want to go the extra mile here to finish it right. Am I on the right track here? Any other suggestions? And he says, thanks so much. Love the show. Keeps me uh, sane during my 45-minute commute every day in Jersey traffic. Uh, So here's the thing. When you send one of these boards through a drum sander at 80 grit, if you're thinking about the type of 80 grit that we typically use in like a random orbit sander, <laughs> this is not really the same thing. It's like no. the 80 grit version from a drum sander is like scraping it over the concrete sidewalk, <laughs> you know? So those ridges are much deeper. It's much more severe. So if you actually start with 80 grit in your sanding regimen, it it's, you really want to start a grit before with your sanding paper. So most of the time, I don't know, I'll leave like, and you may not have had control over this. It wasn't your sander. Um, but in my shop, I'll do like a 120 grit sanding. And then I might start sanding with 80 uh, once I get it to the bench. But I'll tell you what the best shortcut is, and this will work for you too, is get yourself a card scraper. Uh, <laughs> if you just get a card scraper or a cabinet scraper, you can very quickly remove those initial deep marks, get most of the smoothing done. And then if you want to start with your 80 grit, you could probably even jump up a little bit from that point if you've scraped thoroughly. Yeah, just go to 220. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you have an opportunity here to just use a hand tool to get this thing done way, way faster and better because those little marks are very, very difficult. Even using the pencil trick, you don't always get it all. And I think that's what he's noticing here. So I would go back, get yourself a cabinet scraper. I love the uh, old Stanley number 80 cabinet scrapers. Scrape the hell out of that thing, clean it up, get the marks gone, and then go through your sanding regimen. It'll be a, a lot less dust in the air and it'll go a lot faster. You know, I could also say, ask them how much it would cost to run it through at a higher grit. 
Yeah. I know. Worlds colliding, dogs and crats living together. Mark recommends <laughs> the hand on? tool. I'm recommending sending it back through the, the sander. The only Where reason I say I? that is, is <laughs> we have four grits of paper. We have four grits of paper on site at our drum sander. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to remove material, we run it through an 80 grit, which you're right, is probably like 40 grit. Right. <clears throat> and if we want to be, we want it to be finished, we're sending out as a, as a finished piece to a customer, we'll at least run it through at 120, if not higher than that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now it takes time to change the paper, especially on a 48-inch machine. So you may end up paying for that setup cost. But, you know, what is that setup cost? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could be 20 bucks, It could be $300, depending on the size of the mill. But it could be well worth it, depending mm-hmm. on what they charge you. So Totally. A little late now, I know, but it uh, doesn't hurt to ask. Yep. Cool. All right. This is from uh, Joe. It says, hey, Mark, Matt. Nope, no, we didn't say that. He said, hey, Mark, Shannon, and yet to be announced new host. That, he's me. late. Me guy. <laughs> now he knows. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm building a new dining room table of 12-color alder. My wife really likes the design she saw on the internet where the legs are consisting of two tapered alder pieces attached at 45-degree angles forming the corners of the table. That is, the end grain of the legs is flush and visible with the top of the table. And his concern is in regards to expansion and contraction with the design. His question is this. Is it a silly design that looks only good until it falls apart a year later? <laughs> or or <laughs> is there a reasonable design fix that doesn't leave a quarter-inch gap between the table itself and the legs? So basically what's going on here is the, the legs of the table are actually coming up through the tabletop and they're visible on top. So you're like basically setting the tabletop down inside the frame of the table base. And that tabletop is going to be constrained by the legs that are coming up through it. So it will expand and contract, and it will probably bust that frame of that um, that base right apart. And as you mentioned here, leaving a gap around the legs so there is some space for that tabletop to kind of float in there is one way to fix that problem. It's probably not the most attractive. Um, with this design, I think you're kind of flawed. It's just naturally flawed in that it's going to bust apart if you're trying to make it look a little cleaner than that mm. unless you don't connect the two halves of the table together and they can float independently but then you'll probably have some kind of weird racking thing um so gaps along the edges there for the for the expansion to be have somewhere to go or maybe look at a different design or do plywood would be another option in that sense cool yeah sometimes some designs just aren't meant to be <laughs> out of solid wood you gotta yep. <laughs> you gotta be prepared to uh, to make that call sometimes Hey, on the last show, on uh, Matt Vanderlist's last show, that's going to get confusing real fast. Oh, um, didn't we agree that any time a person wrote in whose name was Matt, that we were just going to assume that it was Vanderlist writing in? That's true. Except that he's using Alder, which is way too exotic for me. Yeah, Matt. but this guy's name is Joe. <laughs> oh, sorry. That it was, says Matt up there. Never yeah. mind. You're getting so confused now. <laughs> so confused. There's what, so many names. What a mess. <laughs> and here's another one. This one's from Wilbur. <laughs> he says, over the next year... I'm planning to build some bookcases and a cabinet that a flat screen TV will sit on. For both, I was planning on making a dovetailed case. The bookcases are going to be taller than they will be wide. On the other hand, the TV cabinet, I think he meant TV cabinet. <laughs> he is a doctor, though. Maybe he has a <laughs> cabinet full of tuberculosis. Yeah. Hmm. Terrible. Doctors are weird. Anyway, on the other hand, the TV cabinet will be wider than it will be tall. Does the fact that one project is taller and narrower and the other one shorter and wider impact how you would design the joinery? In other words, would you put the tailboards on top or the side for these projects? This is an interesting question. 
which is why I grabbed it. Um, I, I think, I mean, when you're talking dovetails, obviously there's a mechanical joint that won't allow the board to come apart in one direction, but it will in the other direction. So even though with so much surface area and with glue and everything, it's not going to come apart in either direction, frankly, if you've cut it well and you glued it up nicely. But I always like to think about where is the most stress going to be on that case. So for instance, I built a, a hanging cabinet that had all dovetail cases and the coolest way, like the most visible way to put the dovetails would have been to put them um, on the side so you could see them from the side of the cabinet. But in the particular part of this case that I was doing, it made more sense to put the tails on the top to prevent the sideboards from from coming apart because that's where the most force was going to be based on my design. So, Wilbur, that's what I suggest you look at. And I think the only way you can really figure this out is the longer boards um, – you know, the, the longer the lever, the more leverage you're going to have on that joint. So in the cases of the bookcases that are going to be much, much taller, your sideboards are going to be um, really, really tall. There's always a possibility that by leaning on it or by, you know, the shelves bowing in the middle or something, there's more force that can be exerted, exerted on that long board. So therefore, you probably want to put the tails on the top so that it prevents the boards from coming apart side to side uh, on that case. On the other one where you're talking about it being relatively short and relatively wide, you could have more force being exerted across that longer piece. Maybe the weight of the television, um, something like that that could cause that bow to that board to bow, in which case you might want to put the tails in the other direction to prevent the boards from lifting up on the ends. Um, all that being said, like I said, cut a good joint, glue it well, and you probably won't have to worry about it either way. But if you want to stack the odds in your favor, always put that mechanical joint against the, the area of greatest force. There you go. Sounds there good. There you go. All right. Well, that wraps up today's show. If you want to support us, you can just go to the Wood Talk Show website at woodtalkshow.com and uh, look for the donation links over there in the side column and send us a few bucks because we like that. And you can also leave us a review in the iTunes store. Uh, just look us up. You can just type Wood Talk into the search, go to the ratings and reviews section and click that five-star rating just like Claude the cat did. Uh, he or she, I guess Claude is a guy's <laughs> name, right? He says, my woodworking journey started a few years ago when I bought my first house and wanted to build some basic cabinets. The individual work put out by Mark, Matt, and Shannon had immediate and positive impacts on my discovery of the craft. That first house is no longer mine, but my love of building things out of wood grows daily in no small part uh, thanks to Wood Talk. Uh, somehow I only managed to, excuse me, find this podcast a few months ago. And since then, I've torn through the whole back catalog while working away in my little shop. The show features a mix of professionalism. What? I didn't know that. <laughs> and a personality that is fantastically listenable to me. I recommend it to anyone who loves to build things or is curious about woodworking. Matt will be missed, but I know the Wood Talk train will keep on keeping on. Thanks for all your hard work, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. I will mark that as a helpful review. Yes, choo-choo indeed. (laughs) So very helpful. Very nice. All right, Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Alrighty then. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you have several ways to contact us. Leave a voicemail on Skype. Our username is woodtalkonline. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Thank you. We had a lot of voicemails tonight. like that. Or you can use our fancy contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact and leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. Finally, if you're looking for show notes and downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you can find them at woodtalkshow.com. And because it's his first show, 
Don't forget to check us out individually at thewoodwhisperer.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and mattcremona.com. Sweet. Welcome aboard, Matt. Yeah, congratulations on your first official show. Your first show. You need to send something to Joe because that was your first question you answered. That's right. Something personal, a lock of hair. (laughs) Underwear or something. (laughs) Oh, that would be nice. (laughs) He's going to fit in just fine, folks. Just go (laughs) for it. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully you'll listen again next week when we'll do our next show. And we'll catch you later. See ya. Bye.